1: Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music
0: All right, partner. Keep on rolling, baby. Y'all know what's happening. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Fred Durst is not here in the Shred Shed right now. It's just me. I'm feeling a little bit goofy because, honestly, I'm very sleepy. And that's what happens when I'm recording intros while under the influence of lack of sleep. But here we are, everybody. We're here with a fresh episode for you. Today, I'm talking to Michael Montoya, otherwise known as Morgoth. Uh, Man, this dude has a lot of experience, and he has some very unique perspectives that I'm very excited for you to get a peek at. But before we get into that, I just want to give a huge, huge, huge shout-out to all of the premium content subscribers, whether that is on Patreon or on the newly introduced Apple subscription, which you can see if you are an Apple user. It's right there in your app. I said that because we had a ton of new people sign up last month on both platforms. And honestly, it doesn't seem like that much, but it really, 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 really helps. It really does. When you put a bunch of little drops in the bucket, eventually the bucket starts filling up. And it actually starts really moving the needle. So I want to encourage you to support your favorite creators. It doesn't matter whether they're musicians podcasters, YouTubers, whatever. Any artist that you really enjoy or a content creator that you really enjoy, if you can support them, I promise you it means a ton to them because every little bit goes a very long way. So if you could share this episode with somebody, share your favorite episode with somebody, that would honestly mean the world. And the fact that you're spending time with me, honestly, thank you so much really really really. I know you've you've already spent like I don't know, several minutes with me. Thank you. I appreciate that. And with respect to that time, let's jump right into this episode with Morgoth. Here we go. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland. With me today, I have Michael Montoya, otherwise known as Morgoth Beats. What's going on, dude?
1: Hey man, thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah, stoked to be here. Yeah, should be fun. So a lot of my uh, listeners, you know, they generally are fairly familiar with a lot of my guests, but there's a good chance that your best known work my listeners aren't
1: necessarily 100% hip to. Um, uh, very possibly. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my phone was just going crazy, people. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> it's,
0: fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's natural. It happens every time. Um, but yeah, I know you've you played in Winds of Plague. You've done a lot of that stuff. But you also, you know, s- segued into the hip-hop world, which I always find pretty fascinating from, you know, a rocker metal guy going into that—it seems counterintuitive, but it happens more and more every day. It seems so. I don't know. Let's start. Uh, let's start at day one. When did you start getting into music, and how did it lead you to where you are today?
1: Um, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, my dad uh, plays guitar. My mom like sings and stuff, and they they had bands growing up. You know, they were more like blues rock kind of bands. So, uh, yeah, I just grew up. You know, with guitars around and started playing when I was like 11, 12, something like that. And I took piano classes before that. Um, and yeah, I just, I was really into, uh, you know, I luckily, because my parents, you know, I, I heard like Sabbath when I was really young and like I heard all kinds of different music for my parents who had pretty eclectic taste in music. So, uh, and I hung out with a lot of, I grew up in like the, for, the beginning of my my childhood, I grew up in like northern county San Diego, so I grew up with a lot of older friends who are like skateboarders, you know, and that kind of culture is infused with like punk and metal and hardcore and you know uh, hip hop too so a lot of old skate videos and stuff I used to watch you know I got a lot of my uh my music taste early as a kid from from that where I'd hear like you know Slayer and um I'd hear the Ramones and black Flag but I'd also hear. A lot of those old skate videos had like instrumentals of hip hop, which I never really heard before. I'd only heard because hearing like a beat without the vocals on it is a just a different thing. Yeah, so that's kind of where my taste for production, like hip hop production, came from. Uh, but yeah, all my early bands were like punk bands, like and metal and hardcore bands. And then you know, obviously, I, I play my band now, Wins a Plague. Um, still do that. We're still a band, and uh. Yeah. So basically that's like the early gist of the early part was just, you know, playing in heavier bands with my friends. And then um, I started producing hip hop stuff because a lot of my, a few of my friends from, after I lived in San Diego, I moved to this small town in Northern New Mexico called Taos, which is where most of my family's from, is from like Northern New Mexico and like like the native reservations up there. Uh, so a lot of my friends who were there were uh, hip-hop producers, so I would play guitar on some of their beats and stuff like that and moved to l a and then the early part of the two thousand tens hip hop started kind of turning more towards like an alternative direction. So luckily because I was around a lot of friends who uh, were also into that kind of music, I was able just to after making you know playing guitar on a handful of beats, I was just kind of like oh, I could do this because I had already been engineering and producing hardcore and like metalcore bands and stuff like that and my band symphonic so you know we do a lot of keyboards and orchestration and stuff like that so really the difference was just changing the drum sounds and you know that's uh basically how i learned how to do it and kind of came up with my own sound for it and luckily for me you know a lot of the artists i started working with early on that ended up being the wave of what is like mainstream music now. So I was able just to kind of ride the wave with uh, a lot of those early SoundCloud artists like Bones and Omen um, 13, you know, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically that's, that's the gist was... So I was doing hip... And then, you know, when the hip hop stuff started going really well, like, you know, like Bones, for instance, is a huge artist a very influential, huge artist who's, like, a metalcore kid, basically started making hip-hop, um, sim- you know, similar to me, uh, that I was just kind of like, oh, I should probably take this seriously because, you know, these songs get, like, millions of views and stuff like that, and this metalcore band I'm producing gets, like, a couple hundred thousand views, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, on a good day. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of uh, one of those obvious things that I felt, like, you know, just, I didn't necessarily grow up being, like, Oh, I want to be, you know, like Jay Dilla or like Dr. Dre or something like that. But, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta just be smart with the cards you're dealt and just totally. like move where the wind takes you. Mm-hmm. The winds of plague, where they take exactly. You.
0: <laughs> funny, funny guy. <laughs> the central over here. That's what it is. 24/7. You know, it's really so. What, did you see? like Bones and the other artists that you started working with, did you see that coming? Were you like, I think this is the next thing? Or did you just happen to be a part of it?
1: No. Yeah. Honestly, I saw, I saw it coming. And at first it kind of felt like some wild Koopa main theory in my head, but really kind of what I think happened was um, with, there is like the early Raider clan stuff from Florida, like Space Ghost Perp. And a lot of people came from that group who ended up being big, artists like denzel curry and stuff like that but a lot of those kids were like into rock and at least they dressed like it they were dressing hip-hop got a lot darker so if you remember if you think of it seems obvious now but then hip-hop and alternative music were not like merged very much other than some underground artists here and there like atmosphere and stuff like that which i was really into that kind of stuff but um what happened, I think, was a lot of rappers and uh hip hop culture started dressing more like rock, and then naturally, if you look at like hi- music history, um what kind of follows that is their in music becomes more influenced from rock, so I was just starting to notice more and more like, oh, I can do these really dark uh keyboard melodies and stuff that I would normally do for my metal band or like hardcore bands I'd produce and just add different drums over it. It's really. It was really that simple to where um, it was just kind of like an obvious thing where I was like, oh, it seems like these kids want something more influenced from rock because they seem to be more influenced from stuff like Nirvana and, um, you know, like Blink-22 and stuff like that than they are from, say, like 50 Cent or, you know, Tupac or something like that. You know, the influence was obviously changing the generation. So in my head, I was like, it naturally makes sense that it's just going to snowball more and more and more. To and now you know it's 2021 and every, a lot of rappers are even totally crossing over into making like alternative rock music. So, 100%. luckily, I had a theory and it, it turned out to be at least partly true.
0: Yeah, 100. You're seeing people that. So I, I also had uh, I don't know if you saw I had netarb on the show too. um Yeah. And so you know, you're kind of, you're kind of, yeah, dude, so cool. um And you're you know kind of the second guy in that category that I'm talking to in, in my mind, you know, cause I'm not a part of the hip hop scene at all. Well, I guess I played on one record like recent, like summer, <laughs> but it was, it was a new thing, you know, it was a new exploration for me. But when I did that, I, I experienced the same things that you, I'm like, Oh, this isn't structurally all that different.
1: It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's just the sound choices that you make, like the way the drum sounds, how much you really care about them sounding real or not. Like mm-hmm. those are kind of the things that make a genre. A lot of music, like I write 808 lines the exact same way I write breakdowns. You know, it's literally the same mentality, like rhythmically. It's just like the sound that's being used. It's different. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: what's so crazy. And and I, I really, this is a big thing that a reoccurring theme on this show, because I got stuck in this rut for a long time of just, I love gear. I'm a gear nerd. I love pedals and stuff. But I and I had all this stuff. And I was just kind of noodling by myself. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then I started just recording myself noodling by myself and actually doing mm. something with it, you know? And it it's something that I've wanted to push the audience that listens to this show, because I know they're all gear nerds too. That's primarily how they got here in the first place is because they heard about yeah. you know, Josh from JHS Pedals coming on the show and they want to hear about pedals, which I totally understand. But I want people to really focus on doing things with the pedals beyond, yeah. you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with just playing for your own enjoyment. That's what most of us spend most of our time doing, but you know, throw a mic up,
1: you know, yeah, and just see what happens. You, you never know where it could lead. Yeah, totally. I definitely think there's a, a difference, even especially from touring a lot. I've, I've noticed there's definitely a difference between some people just want to play music and just like kind of, be in a band or just like they enjoy playing it and just messing with the gear and stuff like that but they're not really as interested in creating music versus some people you know are more interested in the creating music part you know like which it it is a little bit there's a difference between those kind of players versus like creators you know Mm -hmm. and you'll you're especially on tour you know you'll be around it a lot because most bands don't it's usually not a hundred percent a like collaborative effort. A lot of times it's one or two people kind of like manning the ship and just like handling the creative process and the other dudes just play what they make. Yeah. Not every, obviously not, that's not the case all the time, but that's a case majority of the time. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you found like there to be there as much as the, the two, I don't want to say two genres because like metal and hardcore are different, but, the alternative scene and the hip-hop scene is blending together but
1: are is there any clash is there any you know like I, most of the clash is coming from the metal side like rappers and stuff really look up to, to, and respect like rock a lot mm-hmm. like i've i've you would be amazed at how many times i've been around like predominant like artists who as soon as I tell them I play in like a metal, a decent sized metalcore band or something like that, all of a sudden their interest in wanting to hear my music or wanting to hear like production collabs I could do with them goes up. And it's been happening like that for a while. You know, like their res- their respect for rock is really high, even if they're not the most, some, some are, some are really knowledgeable about it. Like, you know, uh, the biggest thing I've done is I produced for juice world and, uh, he knew every. He knew a lot. He knew a lot, a lot. Like, he was a scene kid, 100%. Then there's some I met, you know, where they have, like, a, a surface level of it, but their respect for it is is really high. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed a lot on the rock side. I think this just happens every generation. You know, it's because they're different, and it's because they're coming from a different style of music, where I think older people remember the difference between, you know, the early 2000s and rap being a little more, like, bling and, like, Braggadocious and the style the style of dressing was different. I think they still think it's like that, but it's not really like that anymore. Now it's very much like the weird kids run the show, you yeah. know? And I just don't think they're all the way. So when they hear something like Little Uzi bird or something like that, they they can't hear the nuance like in that his vocal influence is like heavily from like paramore or something like that. You know, they're they're not hearing they're it's going over their heads or they They just don't like the music, maybe I don't know, but I think a lot of it is' going over their heads. they're just not they're just incapable of separating the cultures from each other when it's really similar, you know, like I think because we should embrace the fact that this the most popular style of music now thinks that the rock kids are cool, like you know right. you don't really have to go through being bullied and stuff like that for liking bands and wearing like dressing like eccentric, you know now that's like those are the cool kids and that's a to me that's a great thing that's what i always wanted mm-hmm. i don't you don't have to fight anymore for looking weird you know which <laughs> when i was in high school i had to fight to have like spiky hair and stuff like that you know something but yeah it's... it
0: it is weird how that both in culture and in like technology the weird nerdy kid of whatever variety that that might be seems to end up coming out on top A lot of times, you know, whether that's creatively or like they start a tech company or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not usually, this isn't 100% true every time, but it's not always like the pop the popular jock that like you look at 20 years later and you're like, man, I wish I was doing what that guy did. It's usually like the weird
1: kid. (laughs) Yeah, because like there's like depth in in like nerd culture, you know, uh, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of toxic stuff about it too. You know, there's a lot of like unhealthy tendencies like we're talking about like the weird kids who are like creative you know and put stuff out in the world you know that's a it's a little different than like the you know maybe the nerdy kid who just judges everything and doesn't actually produce anything himself
0: right just gatekeeping the whole time
1: you know? yeah gatekeeping something that where the people who he's trying to gatekeep for have a completely different opinion and disagree with him about how insular that thing should be you know like i always laugh when I see like kids who are really gatekeepy with metal or something something like that and I've toured with like the bands and I know the dudes who like they look up to and I'm like dude your f- hero does not agree with you and would like <laughs> tell you to chill you know right. you're not you're not defending them you're you're totally mis uh, misrepresenting like what their opinion is
0: and furthermore, like the gatekeeping stuff is really weird. And I say this as somebody who did this as a teenager. So like
1: Yeah, say honestly, I was a little I was really into punk and stuff. So I I had a little bit more of a snotty opinion when I was a teenager too. Yeah. It's natural.
0: Yeah. And it's and it's the most ridiculous thing because at the end of the day, pretty much every single artist, no matter who you're talking about, wants more people to hear what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. They don't want their fans to not tell other people about it. That's the absolutely the of what anybody wants ever. Yeah, it's, absolutely it's a weird attitude. <clears throat> I mean th- I mean does that come from does that come from that whole punk rock mentality? I mean, that's where I came from too. Is it that whole like you don't want to get too big and, and sell out or I don't know where that comes from. It's so strange.
1: I, I think it's just a misunderstanding and misrepresentation that a group of fans had versus what the reality of the music actually is you know like it's not actually gatekeeping music and no one who was involved in it really intended it to be who was actually creating the music yeah maybe there's like a couple older dudes like in the scene who just get older and don't understand youth culture anymore there's there is that but for the most part it's more about being open-minded and stuff that was kind of what drew me like initially to being stoked about working on like you know that earlier wave of soundcloud stuff was i was like this feels very similar to me like when i was starting like punk bands in my garage like with my friends because these kids are like they don't have any money they're they look crazy you know they're like full of tat and they're just they have a little home studio and they're kind of just breaking all the rules and conventions on like, okay, you have to go to a big studio. You have to use all this gear. You have to spend X amount of money. You got to go to a pro mixer, which is what I, I thought too, because I was like, you know, working in like metal and hardcore, like producing those kind of bands. And I went to like recording school and stuff like that. And I was like, when I started working on this uh, alternative hip hop stuff and just saw, they are like, Oh no, it's cool. Like, you know, you make the track, that's the mix the final balance and the end of your production beat you track vocals over that and you know do a vo- little vocal mix and you know you can record it they'll record it like just on some regular sm7 or something like that sometimes even like an sm57 or something and they'll be like oh yeah you just get it to sound good enough they're like oh yeah that's cool that's we're putting that out like right now yeah and cost them no money to make then they're like all right let's shoot the video you know call over dude he'll do it for 400 bucks you know, dude shoots the video, ed- edits the video like it's just them in their grimy like scenario place they're at, wherever with their friends and stuff. They make the video, comes out, gets millions of views. The whole thing costs them like six hundred dollars to make, and they netted like, like you know, freaking thirty fifty thousand dollars off it. You know, when right. <laughs> when metalcore bands, I was like, dude, we spent like twenty grand on this video that like looks cool. <laughs> And we spent like another twenty on this, like recording a mix, which sounds good. I was like, but it's not hitting people the same way that this stuff is. I was like, clearly, like, you know, I was like, I'm missing something here. And then, you know, it's it just kind of showed me that it's like, oh, it's not the gear. It's not sometimes you gotta just whatever is the best you can do, that's good enough, you know, at for the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, talking to NetArb was He repeated almost that exact same thing. I was asking him what he uses. And he was like, man, on all of the stuff that he's most known for, like all the little peep stuff, he's like ran down. He's like free plugins, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything, like everything was done with as budget as you could possibly do it, essentially, at least in the early stages. And then even that uh, If I Die First record, I was asking him, he's like, I think it sounds awesome. And he's like, yeah, it definitely does. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's all in the in the box plugins and stuff and programmed beats. And I'm like, What? What? And then that honestly helped me kick like I'm like, all right, I gotta do something. I have all this stuff. I have no excuse anymore. Make some weird stuff, do some weird things. And you know, I made made my record and I'm really happy that I did. But hearing that exact thing where you're like, these kids are just doing it. You know, they're just
1: doing it. We should just yeah. do, it too, you
0: know, like. Really Yeah, exactly.
1: Work. Anyone can learn to record themselves at least well enough. You know, like I I'd usually tell people like, look, if you can learn to track yourself, at least like just get a clean signal, you don't have to like go to create, you can just take it to someone who can mix it a little better and, you know, who can uh do a better job at that. But if you can at least get clean DIs, you know, and like mm-hmm. learn how to draw and submit like MIDI mapping, that's really that you can learn that in a couple hours on TikTok and YouTube, you know, like pretty efficiently. So the the entry level bar is, is so low that um just about anyone can do it. It's just kind of a working harder or smarter, not harder kind of thing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong, there is definitely like you gotta hone the craft, right? You gotta try things and experiment and learn and You know, get better at songwriting. Like, but anyone, literally anyone, can make sound.
1: Yeah. So, and I know, I know, I I know too. I'm like, I know, I'm speaking from a a position where, like, before I was doing, you know, working on this hip hop stuff, I was doing like band stuff where I did have to, you know, mic full drum kits, and I I interned and was a runner at like some bigger studios like NRG and stuff like that. So I've seen it and been very hands on with it. The much more detailed way which is that's if if you're if you're at that level and you can do that that's great i would i would never tell someone to like no just throw all that away you know just and just do it this way like you know like if you if you have the ability to do that and you have you know how to do that that's great that's what you should strive for but uh you don't have to not release music because you're not there you know totally that's just more what i'm saying
0: no, you're a hundred percent right because it, I was totally in my head for the longest time. And the first record that I worked on was done like full blown, mic'd up, like in a good studio, and it was a lot of fun. And I want to do it again. But at the at the same time, when I go back and listen to all these things, like is it is it like
1: dramatically better than the stuff I did on my own? Like, not, mm-hmm. not really. You know? same thing. I literally went through the same thing too. Uh my old band right right before I joined Winds of Plague was uh g- called Goliath. We mm-hmm. were like a heavy beat down deathcore kind of band and uh, you know I recorded at uh, Audio Hammer with a. Al Levy, you know, who does nail the mix yeah. um with Joey Sturgis and it was a great experience. You know, we made a really cool sounding record, you know, I got like Todd Jones from Nails on the record and really we we made a cool little EP, but like doing it And then like listening back to my demos and stuff too, I was, it just made me realize I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm already there. I'm like kind of there, you know, I can, I can take a lot of workload of this kind of stuff on to myself and not be so like self-conscious about, about worrying if it's like up to par because you know, like is like a pro and he sounded, the music came out great, but, uh, I was like, oh, I, I think I'm like in the ballpark of this. So, you know, I, I was much more confident about releasing stuff I had done.
0: Yeah, man, I just interviewed this guy yesterday. He's from this uh, UK band called Glitchers. I don't know if you've seen them or not, but
1: I haven't heard of them yet.
0: <laughs> you, you might have seen they they tend to go viral occasionally on Instagram and TikTok because they play on the street, and so oh. the two piece band and it, drummer and guitar. And he literally sets up on the street with a megaphone and like a cheap amp and just rocks, you know, just mm-hmm. it was insane. Stabs his guitar into the amplifier and, you know, into the <laughs> and people are just like, whoa. So they go, they go viral occasionally. And he was really interesting to talk to because I was listening to their latest EP and going, wow, this sounds really good. Like, what are you using? He's like, ah, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm using GarageBand. Uh and I'm just recording this Black Star amp I've got straight in and I just mess with it till I think it sounds good. And I'm like, Well, you nailed it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like the the EP sounds really great. Like when you watch them live, it's it it sounds good, but obviously he's like yelling through a megaphone and mm-hmm. dancing around. So it's not it's not the you know best recording, obviously, but it's not supposed to be. So I was really not sure what I was gonna get into when I listened to their actual produced stuff, and it's really good. Like, and when he told me that, I was like, "Just keep. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. Like, don't stress. You're doing something right. Like, keep going." Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a cool thing. Definitely check them out. They're they're pretty dope. Um, okay, cool. Guy sounds like he kind of sounds like Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. Uh, oh, that's sick. Yeah, vocally, it's pretty dope. Tight, <clears throat> but. uh so if you had to go back, back in the day, because you've you've done a lot of different things and give yourself some advice at this point, what would you say to a young Michael?
1: Mm, uh, like if I were to go back to me in like middle school and high school and stuff, I probably would have told myself to, because I, I I did classical guitar and like Mediachi in high school guitar so. I mean that was good, but I probably would have told myself to join choir, join band, take all the music lessons I probably could, get Mm -hmm. like as get as good as music as like I possibly could at a young age. Just you know, you never know though. I could have done that, and then like I could have not taken the path like I I took and not been as uh, you know successful or whatever. But um, there's just times now where you know in songwriting sessions and stuff like that, like I can sing a little bit. I'm okay at piano. Um, you know, I my rhythmic sensibility is is decent, but uh, you know, I come across, you know, players like I I worked a lot on like The Last Issues album and stuff and uh AJ from Issues is was in drumline and dude's timing is like inhuman. Like it's like he does human quantize.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, his
1: right hand is is like instant quantize like, you know, with insanely complex rhythms that are like hard so stuff like that where i come across those kind of like musicians more often where i'm just like jesus like it kind of humbles you a lot yeah but i think it's a good thing you know it's it's good to work with people who are better than you i feel like that's how you really grow is working around people who are better than you at a certain thing or you know just involving your friend group more with like-minded individuals striving for similar goals will will advance you further than probably most things. But yeah, my, my advice would just probably be to, yeah, just to not be, I was very focused. Like I wanted to be in a touring metal band or, and or a hardcore band, you know, whichever one it landed on. I was, that was what I wanted to do. Like that was my like singular life goal Right. and learn to produce and like record myself so I could do it for other bands too. But, um, you know, once I achieved that, it was kind of like now, what am I going to do? And then, luckily, I found p- producing for hip hop and like pop music and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it probably also probably would started making beats more seriously like when I was younger too, right? Start looking. just just start earlier, you know. That was basically the gist of it. Just start earlier. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, but you hit on a good point though. Is like, if you would have done things differently, would you have ended up in that spot? And that's something I always have to remind myself because. You know, I, I started this in 2015 and it's, you know, the hub of m- my main thing is this podcast. And it's, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, why did I waste all that time? Like being a mechanic and like doing all this other stuff that I was doing. But I have to remember, like, I may not have ever, you know, I wouldn't have discovered podcasts if I didn't have a long commute, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I would never have fell in love with the medium the way that I did if I hadn't you know, X, Y, Z. So you have to always remember that like everything leads to the next thing. So you can't necessarily sit around and be like, Oh, I wasted my time because you very well could be in a completely different, different position. It's not necessarily, you know,
1: sometimes too, when you, you, I've met a lot of people too, where the first band they've ever been in, like the first musical thing they've ever done kind of blows up or like, maybe they're just kind of along the ride with the band that blows up and, you know, their first tour is a bus and they really kind of like hit it like right off the bat. But when that shows any sign of like fading or, you know, they're no longer making as much money and stuff, they didn't have to suffer at all. Yeah. Like a lot of time, those people just dip out and go do something else and then regret it later and realize like, oh, damn, that was actually kind of cool. I don't know what I was thinking. And I've met a lot of people like that. So I'm actually kind of glad that I had to to grind a little bit and I had to like suffer doing like DIY tours with my old band and stuff like in a van and uh, you know, really test how much I wanted to do music because uh, you know, it it just thickened my skin for Mm -hmm. um, like how much I'm willing to put up with or how much I'm willing to go through in order to like keep this going. So that was actually a positive thing, you know, sometimes like suffering, you can come out of it stronger.
0: Right. And it does show you like how much you really want to do it. You know, because sometimes, yeah, it's, absolutely. You know, it's not always, you're not always getting, you know,
1: phone calls from Juice. You know, it's not how it works. Yeah. No, it's not <laughs> for sure. It's still not, you know, and even when that happens, like even when you work on like a number one album and you get like flax and recognition and all that stuff, it's still not the tip of the iceberg. That's, it's crazy. Like you, that happens. And then you're like, I still have to like keep going because. It, this is not like the end all be all. It's like addicting, you know. It's like, damn, I got to do this again and again and again and again. Well, Where though, you do have to keep doing it because just because you did it once doesn't mean you're going to have success for the rest of your life. No. no, not at all. If anything, there's more pressure put on you because now it's like people are like, people are like, oh, I, like now you have people watching you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You, there's a lot more, uh, a lot more scrutiny over everything. They're just
1: paying yeah. into your every move. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's but it's it's cool, you know. Like I like, I like doing it. I love I love messing with gear and I love messing with like the fact that I just get to like make production and just play with plugins and stuff all day is is worse jobs. There are much worse jobs out there.
0: Definitely. <laughs> Leads me directly into what my next question was going to be it's like, what does your day look like? Like an average day.
1: Um So I usually have like sessions booked out sometimes with writers, sometimes with artists, sometimes with bands. Um, I just kind of fill my calendar up with like, you know, sometimes I'll I'll be writing for a handful of artists and, you know, me and some of my songwriter friends or a songwriter who like my manager or something like that will put me in a room with, you know, we'll write for something specifically Um, or I'll just make something from scratch. Luckily now that, really really glad that i did all those years of producing bands and stuff like and because now that you know rock is back in with me in the mainstream again uh my skills like programming drums to make them sound real and you know getting uh tracking guitar as well just that sort of stuff you know now really play the hand in it and then now the fact that it's that fused with Production elements, you know, luckily I kind of did both, so I can kind of throw both together and I can, I can just kind of make a track and then just shoot it out to a bunch of different people and just see where it lands. Mm -hmm. So I'll do that. Sometimes I will spend like a day or two where I just make like guitar riffs and keyboard ideas without drums or bass, Mm -hmm. and I'll send that to other producers to make their drums and bass on. A lot of times it'll be with like producers who I'm, I'm friends with and or who are working with uh, artists who I want to work with, but I can't get to on my own because most artists have a little circle who they work with. And if you want to get into that circle, you got to go through someone in the circle. So either their engineer or their producer. And luckily everyone wants guitar stuff now. So, you know, me coming from like winds of plague and stuff, art, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an okay guitar player. You know, like, I'm not like, I'm not Tim from Polyphia, you know, but
2: right.
1: I'm <laughs> he's my boy, you know, Shout out. but watching that dude play guitar will make you want to put the instrument down in, yeah, like firsthand. Oh, just man. even him, just having a conversation with you like noodling around. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like what the hell am I? But anyways, <laughs> like I can, I can write a song. So I'll send the guitar riff out to other producers to make drums and stuff on but a lot of times recently it's been just like sessions, you know, I just do a lot of sessions. Um, so it's, it's cool too. Cause like, I, I'm lucky, like where I can produce for a diverse amount of bands. So like recently, you know, I've, I've been work. I started working with story of the year a little bit. Then another day I'll work with like a, a pop singer. The other day I'll work with a rapper, you know, so um, it varies, which is what I like. I want to be, I want to have like a Rick Rubin like kind of schedule where it's just genre fluid yeah i think that's that's how you keep it interesting right yeah
0: challenge yourself you know it's like okay like you know after a while you know if you spent like 40 years producing you know metalcore bands it's like i you'd probably get to a point where you're like i don't want to hear another breakdown ever again you know
1: like yeah yeah, totally but uh, it's it's fun too though because when you do uh different stuff um, you can apply some stuff to you know. You stuff carries over. You know things I'll learn and with doing heavier bands. Now I could be like, oh, I could put a, I can sneak a breakdown into like a pop song, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes and do that kind of stuff where. Because I just want the world to be more metal and as a whole, yeah. I want to live in like a metal apocalypse type of <laughs> world. Let you know where it's just the biggest band in the world is just the most brutal band and everything's more, so. I try and just, <laughs> I try and sneak that in as much as I can wherever I can. I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's take a little bit of a segue into the the more gear side of things because supposedly that's what this podcast is. I'm told. I don't know if that. Yeah. <laughs> <is>. but, uh, <laughs> like so, you, your guitar. I imagine you have a fair amount of
1: guitars at this point. Do you have yeah. one? Um man the one i i don't know if i ever i the one change always changes for me uh i have one i've been using a lot is i have uh that the i play for esp yeah um so i have the sparrowhawk um you know M- Mastodon's uh sig oh. and it has these really cool lace pickups in it that only like a handful of them were made with because they changed the pickup developer for some i don't know some business reason uh but those lace pickups sounds super sick and it's actually a really diverse guitar so i've been using it on like a lot of different stuff like it sounds great with clean stuff sounds great with heavy stuff so i've been using that a lot um the one guitar for me see it's crazy. it's funny because i have like ones i want for specific things. Like I like, I want this guitars clean. I want this guitars, you know, like more mid-rock when I want this guitars like heavy, heavier side. But for the heavier, like lower stuff, I I still really like my like Stefan Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I that one just has like a really cool like twang to it that I I use a lot for at least for heavy rhythm stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um for brighter stuff, I I have like I have a I have a telly. I like my telly for, you know, brighter, uh, you know, more chimey stuff. I have, uh, I have a, uh, I have a really cool, um, Takamini nylon string that I use a lot too for more like of the, even just for layering, um, like if I play a clean lead or like a clean, uh, a clean main melody part in in a beat or a song or something, you know, I like layering a lot with the nylon because it just adds like texture to it. Uh, So a lot of my stuff is kind of like one guitar. Like I don't really think usually achieves what I want. Usually a lot of my stuff I I create through layering Mm -hmm. of multiple instruments, you know, even with like, like with the Stefan, you know, I honestly kind of have been layering a lot of, uh, you know, fake, like fake guitar under it like like the Odin or like the Hydra uh plugins that they actually sound great you know if you if you blend and like sidechain like a, a a Odin or a um you know a Hydra or something like that just you have to midi map out the riff you're playing you know and you have to edit the riff well enough to where you know they sound kind of like one thing but um you can really like i don't know there's just something Something about inhumanness over humanness, I think sounds really cool. But you know, that's that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I've been
0: playing with I I am I've said this on the podcast a lot lately, but I am like definitely traditionally like Mr. Tube Amp man, like because I can be, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to go out on the road or do anything. But lately I've been playing with a lot of the STL. Uh, plugins just oh, yeah. I'm like, I gotta see what everybody's talking about, you know. And I'm like, oh, geez, yeah, it sounds great, you sound really good. So now I've been trying to make a habit of when I am recording, always having a DI so I can, as well as the mic'd up stuff, so I can react that later, you know, just because yeah, find something cool in there that it's like, well, I can just scroll through all these vintage orange and high watt models and like scroll and like. I don't yeah. all of those things. I don't have a 5150. Like, let's find out what it sounds like.
1: So- yeah, totally. And uh, I, I use, I have a camper, you know, I use my camper a lot. Mm. Uh, like my, I just have like a handful of homies who have like, you know, who, who've produced with this stuff like Will Putney and, uh, you know, who've given me tones that they sound freaking awesome. So I use those, that a lot. I, uh, I use, I actually, I use easy Mix's expansion packs a lot from tune track mm-hmm. that has a lot of really good guitar tones on it. Um, like the mistra pack or the, uh, the, uh, the Tosin pack sounds great or like the Frederick pack from the sugar, you know, mm-hmm. lots of killer stuff in there. Um, yeah, honestly, cause a lot of times, a lot of times I like doing that because I, I, If I want to reamp later, at least it's just a DI signal. So, like, if I'm, you know, down the if if down the road, if say I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get this mixed or whatever for real. Like, I'll usually I have friends like my friend Jeff Dunn or stuff who like guitar tone is like their thing, you know, and they're better at it than I am. So I'll outsource that kind of stuff sometimes, you know. Like, if you want to get the best mix possible a lot of times it's better just to uh know someone who's better be honest with yourself about people who are better than you at a specific thing you know and like lean on that sometimes you know if you because the ultimate result is like the outcome it doesn't matter how you got to the outcome it's just what the outcome is is that is what really matters
0: exactly a 100% it's does the final product what you're trying to achieve that is what it's all about so yeah
1: or are you just trying to stroke your ego and just say i oh i use my vintage uh you know, this amp is only made in Japan and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Which don't get me wrong.
0: I definitely can fall victim to the, the number one criticism I get when I'm doing like pedal demos and stuff is like you play, all you play is weird stuff. Like, weird amps and weird i'm like it's but that's what i have i don't have anything normal i just like
1: weird things so that's cool though like if you make it sound good that's what matters yeah
0: yeah i'm just like if you can hear the clean tone first and you hear the affected tone after i think you pretty much know what the pedal's doing
1: yeah it just only that only time that becomes a problem is if you're making decisions for the you're just forcing yourself to use it even if it doesn't sound right right (laughs) just (laughs) to say you used it
0: yeah, that's never the that's never the way to go. Yeah. So what about pedals? Do you like pedals?
1: Um, man, I I like I I did, I did for a while, and you know, honestly, enough tours of like I play lead and wins, so you know, I have had to have this elaborate pedal board, and once I got a camper, <laughs> I honestly just kind of was like i i use i you know i i still use i still use like i have like a zach wild overdrive you know like the mxr i really like that overdrive pedal i'll do that like into a di sometimes if i'm just want a more like crunchy rock tone or whatever and um you know sometimes i do like uh i do like some you know some weird stuff like here and there but for the most part, I honestly... I'm more into plugins than I am pedals. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense with what you do. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just instant, you know? Like, it's just a little... I don't know. It's probably more convenient. But a lot of times when I'm creating, especially if I'm trying to get, like, weird stuff, a lot of it is, like, experimentation and just falling backwards into ideas. So I'll just, like, throw some ridiculous signal chain together that I no rhyme or reason until I make a sound that sounds cool to me. Yeah. You know, so I don't really concern myself as much with, you know, using necessarily having used pedals. But uh, my favorite pedal though is definitely like the Digitech like whammy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, dude, I just rediscovered my love for the whammy. The whammy was one of the first pedals I got in the collection and I pulled it out of the drawer the other day. And I'm such a different player now. Mm-hmm. I wonder what I'm going to do with this. Like, I'm not going to do the Jack White thing that I was trying to do with it. And yeah, I'd i been watching... I'd been watching... Uh, I'd been watching uh, oh, shoot. who? Uh, oh, his name just totally failed. That was the worst thing I could do. I'll have to... Ah, I'm not going to remember. My brain broke. I've been watching somebody on Instagram who's really good with the, the whammy. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Capiro. That's who it is. Oh, okay uh he does fantastic whammy riffs and i was like i want to try to do some of that and i tried it wasn't as cool as what he did but it was definitely in that ballpark and i was like okay the whammy has returned to the the front of the stage for me it's so much fun
1: yeah it's just i just like i just like stuff where you can just kind of get weird and creative and that thing is just like really cool for that i did i did too uh, uh recently come across this really cool pedal i like the uh have you heard uh, the red witch uh it's a uh analog synth like processor pedal it's a uh synthron synthron i think is how to say it but it's really cool it basically just takes your guitar signal and turns it into like a synth like kind of thing and it does cool stuff with like arp, arp, arping it and um yeah i was using that the other day with my friend and i was like i was very very into that cuz uh just anything i like st- stuff that makes your guitar not sound like a guitar anymore. Yes, me too. <laughs> like that's really cool to me. You need to come to the
0: shred shed because we've got a lot of that, or I have a lot of that. We, there's no one else here. <laughs> I have a yeah. lot of stuff that turns your guitar not into a guitar anymore that you would have quite quite a lot of fun with.
1: Yeah. See, I'm super down for like, I'm super down for that. It's just, it's just not really like my total like expertise, you know? Yeah. Where but there's lots of plugins, you know, that if they were pedals, I would, I would, you know, mm-hmm. definitely have. Like, I don't know if you've been uh, messing with like RC20 or anything like mm-hmm. that plugin wise lately. So this is really cool. Everyone, everyone's probably just like, oh my God, it's so basic because now every producer is like into this right now. But it works great. It's a, uh, it's called RC20. It's like retro color. It's basically just to make your... um whatever you're you have going into it. But for guitars, I use it a lot for that kind of like lush, clean, like pink Floyd kind of mm-hmm. ambient tone. And I just haven't come across many things that if you use it right, you know, that do it better. But it's it's cool. You know, it's got like a a wobble, it's got like a distortion, like a digital ad, really good sounding reverb and like a magnetic emulator. So it's supposed to emulate like tape. Um but I use the I use the hell out of that. Um and it's by uh, XLN Audio. Okay. It's like a
2: lot.
1: really cool one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go on for days about like... But I guess that's what this this podcast is for, what right? Go on for days about like... What you're This youth? kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that I uh, really, really like. Um, output has so much cool stuff, like plugin-wise. Um, I don't know if you've experienced much with Output, but like stuff like movement. I don't know. Movements are really cool. Uh, plug-in that basically anything you put through it, it just adds like adds kind of like an ARP effect to it. It does it, it adds a lot of stuff to it. It's basically just a multi uh, signal chain, like pro- serial processor where you can add like filters, delays, all kinds of stuff. Gotcha. But the stuff it does like with, if you just have some regular melody, that's just kind of bland and plain. If you put movement on it and it just adds so much like life and like mo- literally it's called movement you know that's what it does it adds like movement like stereo imaging stuff and Do that's like really cool stuff or yeah it does like so it does some panning stuff it does um a lot of it is like tremolo stuff you know just yeah. basically adds like a creative signal chain for you you know like and i've been using that a lot on guitars and i have some cool stuff i've used it with like like me, and, uh, me, like me and Tim from Polyphia, like we've, we've made a bunch of stuff together and we've used movement on a bunch of it and just like his playing like through like some crazy art stuff like that, just, you know, it's just like otherworldly. So I've been into that. Um, a, a good one, a good one, which is like uh, a, a classic for me, which in terms of like for bass and um, for anything you want to like thicken up snares, it's really good. But especially for like 808s and like bass that's just not really like thick or um, isn't really, you know, doesn't have that like bottom end that you want it to. I really like Sausage Fattener. All right. It's by uh, Dada Life, you know. um, And basically it's super simple. It's just like a two knob thing. One's called fatness, one's called color. And it does that perfectly. You know, if you have an 808 or something that's just not hitting right, or a bass that's just not knocking right, you just put that on it and just turn it up a little. And you know, you got, you have a bass that sounds legit now, All right. or a, a snare that's not cutting through anything you want to cut through a mix, really. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I'm not as into pedals, but I'm really into plugins, you know. So <laughs> it's the same thing though. They're literally the same thing. It's literally the same thing. It's just a digital version of it. It is. But there's so much
0: you can do in the plugin world. I mean, there's a lot you can do in the pedal world. Mm-hmm especially these days, but um you know you're harnessing a lot more processing power, you know, even if you have a basic computer that you're using than mm-hmm. in most guitar
1: pedals, you know. Oh absolutely. Where dude, even with the most like expensive computer, you can max your RAM out, all that, and you're still gonna you're <laughs> still gonna run into that. Yep. You know, <laughs> spent all so much money on my computer. So much money, just getting it like as fast as I can with a laptop, you know, and still, you know, even then, I'm just like, Jesus, there's just no one, there's just no, no fixing this. I've never came across anybody who who's 100 satisfied with what they <laughs> with their processing power, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, because everything's always, you know, the software and the hardware are always, you know, outrunning each other. You know, mm-hmm. the, the eternal struggle
1: is is never, it's never going to end. It's never. Nope. It is. It is. it isn't it's a. It's a. Internal struggle and an eternal struggle. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a pedal
0: suggestion for you, though, on, on that note, because it's probably my favorite pedal still. Oh, uh, cool. The hologram. Just down. Yeah, the hologram electronics microcosm. I talk about it so much, people probably think they sponsor the podcast, but they don't. I just super love that pedal. I made a whole song, actually. Oh, my, fr- I, my friend has this, yeah. Dude, it's deep. It's deep. I made a whole song that was almost every track had that pedal on it and it was i just ended up, oh, it up because it's awesome it's such a good pedal
1: i'm gonna buy this right now
0: right after we get off this thing I'm gonna <laughs> buy this. If, it, if it's available it's been really hard to get i think but keep your eyes peeled i also i know some people maybe we can make it happen oh okay cool <laughs> oh
1: so it's, if it's in demand like that then yeah, I, I, I probably should get this right
0: yeah it's so insane like i i don't know i'm i'm perpetuating the problem by talking about it like this but it's it yeah it can do arp stuff it can do it it can be it's very very complicated and it can get insanely deep but what's beautiful about it is most pedals that have this level of of uh, complication to them are just hard kind of hard to use until you play with them for a little bit what's so great mm-hmm. about this you can just plug it in and just start messing around and instantly you're
1: going to have some something cool come out of it even if you don't really know what it's doing it's oh cool yeah and it has like a oh, it has like a glitch section oh it has like a loop section oh cool yeah Yeah. it's a looper it's a it's a a reverb it's a
0: yeah i don't know what it is (laughs) it's a microcosm it's nice it's
1: so awesome that's sick yeah you will love that pedal for sure all right. dope. yeah, I love, yeah, anything like, yeah, that does creative stuff like that, I, I'm into.
0: That, uh, any of the Maris stuff, I don't know if you've seen their their offerings. Um, there's some X-Line-Six yeah. people and, uh, oh. and X-Strymon people, really cool people as well. I really like them. They've been on the show before. But the Maris Enzo is the literal synth that you, that was kind of designed with guitarists in mind, but. Oh, yeah. Yep. Instead of I've seen this. Oh, you've seen that one. Okay.
1: This is similar to what that Red Witch pedal I was telling you uh, is like. I got to check that out because I I know about Red Witch, but I don't know about that pedal. So. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. This this is really cool too. Yeah. You're. See, I I could I I need I should I need to get more. I need to go down the pedal rabbit hole a little more. You know, I I definitely know I need to, but I've also been trying to like. he's been coming across much more like analog sense stuff too and I've been wanting to go down that rabbit hole Dude. too or yeah it's starting to get it's starting to get like a problem <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta I gotta like you know I got other I gotta save some money to you know to yeah make smarter decisions <laughs> than just buying gear all the time <laughs> what well, That's the best thing you can do with your money as far as I'm concerned
0: uh true yeah true true ground at his ridiculous place that he doesn't need um,
1: I can just do a write-off with
0: it, you know. That's right. It's, it's for business. It's fine.
1: It's totally fine. You, exactly. Technically, it, is. it it still feels weird to me to like it feels feel so guilty to me to say that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, it is. Like yeah, it literally, it is
0: uh, it's for work. That, and that's <laughs> my wife even like looks at me weird when stuff comes in the mail. I'm like, it's for work. She's like, yeah, yeah. I I know it. <laughs> I know it is. Sure, it is. Like, yes, it is for work. It literally is I just happen to
1: like my work okay mm-hmm. um, uh a cool- a really cool plug in too i've i've been using a lot is uh by uh SugarBites. it's called looperator mm. and it's basically it's really cool it um I use it a lot on like hi hats and uh percussion stuff, but basically it is like a six channel um like effects unit where you can add glitches to it. You can control the glitches. Like you can add, like, if you want, like, you know, four skips, two skips. It has filter, all kinds of weird filtering processes built in, like envelopes. Um, And basically, yeah, if you put it on percussion and stuff, it'll just do all sorts of like, it'll just add all sorts of cool um, glitches and like all sorts of cool little like filtering stuff that make your percussion, or you could put it on anything really melodies, cool vocal effects sometimes i'll just like automate it into vocals but um i've been mainly using it for percussion but it makes your kind of straightforward dull percussion much more interesting and like lively and it'll do stuff you would that would take you hours to like if you were to try and match it on your own you know right right that sounds so like- yeah looperator it's a cool and that company makes a lot of cool stuff too cuz they make another one uh called um Effects tricks, which is also really cool, like that, where basically you just draw in like it looks like you're drawing in MIDI notes mm-hmm. onto a uh, what almost kind of looks like a, a drum, drum like map, you know, like basically almost looks like a MIDI track, but it just adds like stutter, filters, uh, scratch loops, all kinds of cool little, little stuff you can glitch out your, your, um, your, um, you know, your track with. Nice. Uh, so I like doing that sort of stuff, you know, lots of like little subtle um production elements like that where sometimes they're up front sometimes they're not but i find like that's kind of what will separate your production from just having very like flat dull stuff is trying to add little uh, little you know sprinkles here and there of creative sound design so a lot of i'm not really the kind of i'm I have a lot of friends who are like great at you know just super minimalist production without much sound design and stuff. But I just think maybe because of like when When's the Plague being a symphonic band, you know, and us being very over the top with that production stuff, just kind of that's where my taste usually leads is towards uh, s- subtle, um, subtle little you know uh, toppings of uh, creative um, you know sound design in there. Totally. So like. I love like, you know, with like influence from like Lincoln Park and stuff like that. You know, they're amazing at that kind of stuff. So that's just, uh, I usually gravitate towards that kind of type of gears, things to make my stuff sound a little bit different and just a little bit more uh, interesting, you know, like that you might not catch uh, just if you were just listening passively. But, you know, if you were to like pay attention to it, you would catch all the little like earworms and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. The things that make you like, wait a minute, what was that? Exactly, but where it's not too like upfront, where it totally like distracts, disrupts, yeah, the whole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Totally, I love that.
0: I mean, that's that is a little bit how I work. I I like I like to put a lot of in my weird cinematic, like horror movie music that I make. I like to like put a lot of movement into things where it feels like the sounds traveling around your head. You know, if you're mm-hmm. headphones, um, totally. So I kind of understand what you're talking about. Like if you just listen to it, like on a speaker or on a mono speaker on your phone or whatever, you're not going to catch all this stuff. And uh, cause it actually, some of it like literally doesn't translate. Maybe that's mm-hmm. I'm garbage at mixing maybe, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I like to, I like it to move a lot, especially when it's kind of a wall of
1: sound. I like the different parts to come in and out. And so I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, Totally. I like to Where I, I I find fun in like the challenge of taking something really like bland and basic. Like if I played like to some simple like four bar like note, you know, sort of some four bar like four note uh, riff or something like that. That's just clean DI channel or something, and just like throwing effects at it until it turns into this whole other sound and mm-hmm. thing, you know, and just kind of fall without really intent or like uh, a rhyme or reason for it, just kind of just do stuff that you think sounds cool until you land in a place that uh, you, you know, you're happy with where you've taken something basic and made it into something like interesting. Totally. I love that. Yeah. So like usually that's, I usually am lucky enough not to run into writer's block and stuff like that because of that, because like sound design creation and stuff like that can be, Just purely like indulgent and purely just, uh, purely just like fun. Like it's almost like just playing around, you know, where Mm -hmm. if I write, if I'm like, I'm not really writing something I like great on guitar, I'm like, whatever, I'll just take what I have and then go back to the drawing board and just throw effects and stuff on it until it sounds like something totally different.
0: Dude, that reminds me. I gotta, it's September now. I have to hurry up. I've got a Halloween EP I'm trying to drop. And I forgot that I, ha- I still have a bunch of stuff to do on it. <laughs> oh, man. You just reminded me because you were like talking about because it's mostly sound design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, oh, man, I got stuck on that one thing and I haven't revisited. I'm like, oh, no, Halloween's almost here. Yeah, I got to write. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got to hurry up. Did so, uh, it may it may not normally be up like the wheelhouse where you listen to. But um, I don't know. Did you hear the new Halsey album that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross produced? I didn't. I heard about it, but I haven't heard it yet. Man, Trent Reznor's like production, like in terms of that kind of stuff. Like you're, I mean, obviously You know, goes without saying, clearly. But he just always still just blows my mind with that kind of stuff. Whenever he does anything, that especially like sound design wise, I'm always just like, it's one of those things. It's like watching Tim Henson play guitar like in front of you. It's like Jesus. Like I gotta freaking step it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: gotta
1: bring my A game, man. Yeah, dude. Well, Total.
0: we've uh we've reached the the end of the podcast and I still have a couple classic questions to get into with you before we wrap up the main part. Oh but yeah, let's do it. Before I do that, I like to give the guests a chance to, you know, plug whatever they want to plug, give a shout out to their grandma or whatever you want to do, you know, whatever you want to say to a couple
1: thousand people right now. Now's your chance to do it. Um yeah, just you know, follow. Follow me on the social medias, uh, Instagram, you know, TikTok, tw- uh, Twitter, all that. Uh, just at Morgoth Beats, uh, Beats with the Z at the end. Uh, you know, I usually update with when I'm making production and stuff like that. Uh, and hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got that uh yeah just that i just have a lot of stuff coming out around the pipeline some stuff you know i would i wish i could just like gush about right now but i you know i can't i'm just, i'm not gonna jinx myself but i have lots of cool stuff on the on the horizon coming out this the rest of the year so uh yeah stay tuned right on sounds good
0: all right here we go classic questions first one what is your favorite boss pedal the noise suppressor ah yes ns what is it ns2 yeah ns2 yeah this is a that is a good pedal i uh i forgot that it can do
1: some things that it can do and it it is like it's essential yeah especially when you. Doing- it's basic but you know it, it does what it needs to do yeah and it's noticeable if you don't have it
0: yeah you vary especially for doing the stuff that you do like, yeah, it's very noticeable when the NS2 is not there.
1: Maybe if I was in a really noisy hardcore band, I would just kind of throw it out the window. But I, you know, all the other times, uh, nah. Yeah, I love I like that pedal. Good answer. The NS2. And
0: some people have asked, does Boss sponsor this podcast? No, they don't. But I'm perfectly willing to keep answering this question, or asking this question for sponsorship. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. um, all right, cool. And the final question. This is the one that gets a little bit dicey. What is your favorite kind of pizza?
1: Um, I really like buffalo chicken pizza.
0: Yeah, I haven't had that one in a while. Buffalo chicken, you like?
1: Actually, they used to have it at California Pizza Kitchen, and they got rid of it off their menu. And now you can only buy it just to make it. But when they had it on their menu, that was my favorite pizza, and now it is. There's no more at that restaurant, but I will always look back fondly on it. Maybe somebody can out there can recreate it for you. There's yeah. other places that have Buffalo chicken pizza too. That's fire. But yeah, Buffalo chicken pizza. I was gonna
0: say, maybe we could get, you know, one of the big pizza chains, like to do the Morgoth meal, you know, and it can be,
1: you know, yeah, so- that's that's what I'm talking about. The <laughs> Morgoth meal.
0: The Morgoth meal. The kids are going crazy for the Buffalo chicken pizza.
1: <laughs> Right we'll probably have to pay token for that. I can't take claim for the morgue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that is what I want to get into on the uh, Patreon slash Apple subscriber. Now it's weird because I got the Apple thing too, but the premium content section of the podcast. So let's go. Dude, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, dude. All right, everybody. From Michael, as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks. There you have it. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to encourage you to check out Michael's stuff. Check out Winds of Plague. Check out anything he's been involved in. He's a really great dude, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed his time, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him even better. I think we we hit it off after this episode. It was one of those episodes, which are always extremely, extremely rewarding, and honestly, the best part about podcasting. So thank you for allowing me to be able to do this. Thank you for spending all this time with me on this episode. And if you want to hear more from Michael and myself, you can subscribe via the Apple subscription, or you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash tone mob. And there are a few different levels there, but either way for five bucks a month, you're going to get extra episodes beamed to your ears every week. Extra bonus content, baby. And my undying love. So thank you so much for helping out. And please share this episode with a friend. Share any of these episodes with anybody you think might get something out of it. It all helps immensely. But I know you've got other things to do. So I'm going to sign off for now. Thank you so much. Talk to you very, very soon. Bye bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you